Um, talking about the church and ministry, I'm going to go through every single one of you and tell him all about all you and your dirt and everything. I also have a nice chore list at my house for you to take care of. As... No, I don't. I don't. Hey, uh, Pastor Hanson, do a good job last week? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I, I got to listen to it, and I thought, man, he was... Now, he told me beforehand, he said, you know, we're likely going to get out really early for lunch. Um, but I saw it. It was 30 minutes he preached. And then something interesting happened. At the end of it, when he said amen, there was like this, woohoo! And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I mean, I've never heard that before. What is, what is going on? So it must have been really good, really good. We're continuing the series... Prayer, care, share. And last week, Pastor Anson, he talked to you about a strategy of praying for people that are far from God. It's not just prayer, right? We've talked about prayer in, in many fashions and many different ways. This was a specific prayer that we were going to pray for people far from God, that we were going to pray that God would use you, would open up opportunities. We're going to pray that when that happens, the Holy Spirit is so going to prompt us, almost like if you need like a tail kicking, get going, I go with you, you can do this, that kind of directed prayer. We pray with urgency over a lot of things. Somebody gets sick, something happens, we pray with urgency. But we haven't always taught ourselves to pray with urgency for people in your life that don't know Jesus Christ. And so that's what we talked about last week. That's where it begins. You want to develop a heart for somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus? You start with praying for him. That's our focus. Now, Pastor Hanson also helped you with, with creating a list of five names. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So if you have that, great. If you don't, I added it into your outline again uh, this week. Here's the series goal. We want to allow God to use me to see a friend a family member, a coworker, etc., come to know Jesus Christ. That's the goal of this series. Now you might say, Tom, we know you. That seems like the goal of every sermon, every series. And you would be correct. Why? Because you can't read God's word and not see that this whole thing is not just meant for you to grab it, to take it, to sit by yourself and experience it. We get that, and it's a tremendous blessing to our life. It transforms us. But we're designed to give it away. And too many Christians, for too long, have very little to no part in giving their faith away to someone else. So the, series of this, uh, the, this, the goal of this series is to allow God to use me to see a friend, a family member, a coworker, etc., come to know Jesus Christ, for the Lord to use you. So... We believe there's incredible amount of opportunities that are giving. We as a church are designing some things as opportunity. Did you know Teacher Appreciation Sunday is a designed opportunity? We're going to celebrate the teachers. We're going to thank them and support them. But we also recognize if you're a teacher now or if you uh, are connected with school, your kids are, and they have teachers, there are lots of teachers that fit into the goal. They're a friend or, or they're a coworker, or they're a teacher who doesn't know Jesus. And God could use you with a simple invitation to come that day. Church in the Grass is coming up pretty soon. I think it's uh, in October, uh, beginning of October. And that's a great opportunity to invite somebody to come over. Do you know how many people that just the whole idea of coming to a church property in a church building is the barrier? 
But the idea of going to a park, it's almost like for them, like, that's kind of safety. I don't know what they think, like I could run and escape quicker than when I'm in the building. Um, but that's a great opportunity, and it's a designed opportunity for you to invite someone. Last week, Pastor Anna talked about the Holy Spirit, praying that the Holy Spirit would blow your sails and send you wherever the Holy Spirit so those are opportunities. So the three things we're talking about, uh, prayer, day, pray daily for my list of five people. Your list of five people that don't know Jesus Christ that you have interaction with, pray for that list every day. Lord, that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, if you want to use me, use me. Lord, help me to be attentive to opportunities to share you. The second one we're going to talk about this week is to care. Decide how to best serve my list of five. How do you care for that list of five? What do you do for them when that need arises? So how do we care? How do we care in general for people and develop a life of serving? Now, I, I've often thought there's kind of three levels of caring. Sometimes the sermon doesn't focus on this, but just hear this real quick. There is the kind of like the send money level, you know, like if you want to care, something's going on, well, I'll send some money. You know, like something's happening overseas, some missions or stuff, I'll send money to that. That's needed. It's super important, supporting people and caring for people in that way. Um, but you know, and I know, it's a little easier to go that route because I don't have to get messy. The second level is that I volunteer or I come to that one-time event, right, or that one hour here or there where I might serve. Like, the, you know, we're serving the meal at Lot. I'll go up there every three months and I'll serve that meal at Lot. And you get up there and you get to experience it and get yourself a little messy in that. But then there's even a third level. And that's when it shifts to lifestyle, where you start to say, I, I, I'm having a lifestyle of caring. Like, it's not just pop in here or there. It's not just, well, I guess I can give some money. It is like, I'm going to immerse myself into it. One of the teachers at my uh, daughter's school, last year was her last year teaching, and we loved her. Um, all my, my kids had her. But do you know why she stepped out of teaching? Because she went up to Lot that we care for and is serving full-time up at the Lot uh, Ministry Center, doing food distribution, intake, all that goes on up there because God captivated her heart for a lifestyle of caring in that way. Now teachers hear me right not that you're not a lifestyle of caring as a teacher but that's where God was directing her to step out of what she was doing to do that you see next on your thing a list of five if you haven't developed that list of five if you haven't worked through it or if last week with Pastor Anson you're like I got the two and then I was like um hmm what I don't know three four five who knows right um I remembered a, a lady at my church in Arizona um and I remember her saying, I don't know anybody. Like, I, I don't know anybody at all. She's probably in her late 70s. She's just like, I don't interact with anyone. I come to church. Everybody seems to know Jesus. Um, and every, next thing we knew, uh, she was sharing a testimony uh, with us that she started, that she realized she was talking to her mailman every day that mailman would drive through um, because she didn't have anyone to talk to. She was just kind of lonely. And so she would shoot the breeze with the mailman. Now, I'm picturing the mailman like, I got to get on with my route. You know, you got to find something, somebody else to talk to. Um, but the testimony ended with her saying, I invited my mailman to church. Invited him to come to church because that was the person she thought of 
because that's the person she was interacting. I don't know, you might be able to fill out your list thinking about who has God put in your path that you don't even realize that that door might be open. So that's your list of five we're kind of working towards. You're praying on every day. And we're going to ask, are we caring for that group of five? Are you caring in general for people, especially people that are far from God? So I want to do this. Uh, if you look at your outline, I want to give you just three times that we see Jesus cared for people. And they're not just three examples of Jesus caring. They're really ways that he cared. And I think they speak into us um, because I want to ask a question. Anybody busy in life? Like, like when you leave here, like when you hit Monday morning, anybody busy? Are you like, no, nah, I got loads of time. I don't have much going on, right? I mean, Ray over here is retired. He, what does he have going on, right? You know? But yeah, everybody feels busy. In fact, even Ray is retired, and I know he's busy, mostly golfing, but it, busy, right? Well, Jesus is pretty busy too. And yet we find this passion to care for people finds its way out in these different ways. So I'm going to give you three ways here. Um, so take a look at it. Here's, here's the first one. We have this story, shows up in two of the Gospels. Jesus cares for the children. Cares for the children. I'll read you the scripture. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 through 14. The people, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Now, you might be familiar with this story because we love this kind of story. Before the kids go to camp, we think of this kind of passage. Let's lay our hands on the kids. Start of the school year, we want to kind of pray for our kids, pray over them as well. But here's what's going on. You need to understand this. In this progressing kind of a Hellenization where Greek culture was kind of invading Jerusalem, and even though the Jewish people retained the, how they worshiped God, there was a clear influence of Greek culture as well. It was kind of all mixed together. So the, the valuing of kids was very low in Greek culture. They didn't have a ton of value, right? They were in, kind of in the way. We don't quite get this. We, like, it's not like the Old Testament writes this out for the people of Israel. Hey, devalue your kids, right? But what we did see is that the more kids you had, the more land you had, the more you could take care of their cattle and more cattle and all this, all of this worked together to be more prosperous. So having more kids was important. So if you took that and then you took a little bit of Greek influence where kids were less valued, you can see this developing thought where kids were not valued. They weren't seen like how God would see these kids. They were kind of seen as in the way at times. You ever feel that, right? I hope not. You ever know somebody that kind of feels that way? Kids are kind of in the way, you know? People ask me sometimes, I'm, or they say this, Pastor, I'm so sorry that such and such was crying a little or, or acting up a little in service. And I say almost the same thing every time. Um, I didn't even hear them. They, I didn't even notice that was going on. Uh, because usually, you know, a group of Christians were like, nah, we love hearing kids. We love all of that, right? Not so here. Not so. 
So we might go, disciples, what's the matter with you? They're just kind of playing out how it was. Look, this is a busy guy. This is an important guy in Jesus. And he's doing this healing. This, this, if you go in Matthew 19, you're going to see it's a chapter uh, full of healing. He's doing all this. There was no comprehension that you would also do that for kids. And so they rebuked. They said, he doesn't have, that, he doesn't have time for that. That's not his focus. And what does Jesus say? No, you let those little kids come. Let them come. In fact, he even used them to describe the kingdom of heaven. Them in their innocence, in their pure heart. Them coming and saying, you know, with their joy. That is how we should enter and receive what God has to offer us. So Jesus is valuing these kids when culture was not valuing them, wasn't seeing them as significant, certainly not as significant as adults, Jesus was valuing them. When you care for people, do you know what you're telling them? You are telling them you are valuable. When you care for somebody, that's what you're doing. You're valuable, you're important, you mean something, you matter. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how important you think you are. Every single one of us responds to feeling valued when somebody else values us. You know, every Sunday, Shree and I have this little interaction, this little dialogue. Um, I'll say after a couple services and two sermons, I'll say, how was it? Right? And she'll say, it was great. It was so good. You know, um, now, I don't know for sure, even after many years of ministry, if it really was great or so good every week. But I can tell you what that feels like for me. As one who often will say amen, and then in my head, I'll think immediately to those three or four things like, why'd you say that? Why'd you say it that way? You left that out. What do you, you know, that kind of thing. Almost like it's so easy to go to the point where you're dismissing what the Holy Spirit could do in a service and you put it kind of on your, you know, what you're doing with your own words. But to be valued and to be spoken into, there's none of us that don't respond to that. None of us. And Jesus is taking a group that is commonly devalued. He's offering value. So when you care for people, you are saying to them, you are valuable, you matter. You're important. Can you just think about somebody in your life right now that you would say, I think that person probably feels the most undervalued of anyone else I know. What an opportunity for you as a believer in Jesus Christ to go and to care for them and to offer them value. Word of warning, everybody will not respond the way you might think. You may not always get the response of kind of the warm fuzzies and thank you so much and oh, you've made me feel valuable. But the calling as a believer in Christ is the same. Here's the second interaction we, we find with Jesus. Jesus allows interruptions in their schedule. Do interruptions bother you in your schedule ever? You get cranking going on something. You get a phone call. You get, yeah, okay. Check this out. Jesus when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. One little change in your outline. This is Matthew chapter 8, not chapter 9. Verse 5 and 6 are the same. 
Uh, so Jesus is going into this area of Capernaum, likely because the next little section of Scripture tells us that he goes to Peter's house to vis- visit Peter and Peter's mother. That was likely Jesus' task as he's going here. Jesus' ministry had dominantly been for Jewish people, or the interaction had been for Jewish people up to this point. And here we have a Roman centurion in charge of uh, a number of, of soldiers who would come up to Jesus and would ask something of Jesus. This has to be an interruption in his schedule. Couldn't have been planned. Like the disciples didn't have this scripted out. Hey, hey Jesus, at 2.10, we've got this meeting set up with this centurion, right? Something about, you know, his daughter, I don't know. This is an interruption in his schedule. It's not the only time. You can read through the Gospels and you can find other times where Jesus seemingly is interrupted from his task And we find that Jesus actually interacts. I'll leave the rest of the story for you to go read in in Matthew chapter 8, past verse 6. That Jesus interacts with this centurion and and, and the servant was actually healed, actually healed without Jesus even having to go there. But this stop and this interaction with this centurion, an interruption that Jesus seemingly was, was fine with. It's fine. You know, one of the biggest reasons we don't care for people is our schedule. One of the biggest reasons. We just don't think we have time for it. Your book's solid, right? It's hard. I mean, it's hard to say, I can go up to Lot and I can serve that day. Why? Because my schedule. I've got this, I've got this, I've got to go here, I've got, I've got this over here. I've got to get the tires rotated. I've got, I mean, just on and on and on, the schedule is there. And that's one of the biggest reasons we don't care for people. I told you a story about my neighbor a couple weeks back. And I remember when I was cutting bushes and he came over. I didn't know that was going to be a conversation to care for him, right? I just wanted to cut bushes. John, could we make this conversation really brief, right? That's not what God has in mind. And we miss opportunities when our schedule's so locked down. Brian Regan has this great little bit. He's a comedian about Pop-Tarts, waking up and how quick you can make Pop-Tarts. And and one, he says, you can microwave Pop-Tarts in three seconds. And his line, which I won't do justice, is is if you're waking up and then needing to eat your Pop-Tart and haul in three seconds, you're booked a little thin. And it's the same with us, right? If we can't turn and care for somebody that God has put in our path who needs to be cared for, and a believer in Jesus can offer the love of Christ and caring for them because we're too busy, then we've booked ourselves too tight. And we need to think about the opportunities God puts in front of us. When you care for people, you are telling them, you are worth my time. You're worth my time. Is that significant to you when you feel worth somebody's time? When you schedule something with somebody, you know, let's have coffee up at the coffee shop, you're sitting there and they don't show, do you feel like, man, I guess I'm not worth their time, is how we think about it. But when you feel like you're worth somebody's time, when you offer your time, you're offering care. It's what's going on. You're offering care. A lot of times it's really simple. You just pause and you just let them talk, and you listen, and you receive what they have to share, and you're offering your time. Even if in your head you're like, I gotta get these bushes cut. Oh, you just listen. 
So Jesus allows these interruptions. And when we care for people, we're telling them you're worth our time. So let's consider allowing ourselves to be interrupted sometimes. Jesus, the third one, uh, Jesus offers what is needed. And this is significant as well. Take a look at the passage. This is actually the feeding of the 5,000. We did extensive study on this back on May 15th when we walked through that scripture in John chapter 6. So if you want a more in-depth teaching on this, go to our website and look at all the teachings and you'll see it was part of our John series. But let's relook at just a couple verses here. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. The testing part you read, or you go and listen to May 15th if, uh, if you forgot on that or you weren't here that Sunday and you can hear more into that. But what Jesus sees when he looks down at this group, this crowd, he definitely knows they need him. They're coming to hear him teach, right? And he knows he has words that he needs to share with them, words of hope and life and what God has to offer. That's why he came. In fact, we actually don't get the teaching in here, right? But if you go back and you read a couple other passages in John, you see times where he shared teaching. Remember the woman at the well he shared uh, teaching with as well. And so that undoubtedly is the message he would have shared with this big, large group of people. So he's definitely looking at a crowd that needs him. But what he first sees is, you know, they need to eat, if we send them and scatter them, send them to find their own food, many probably won't be able to find their own food. Um, we may never get this crowd back together to hear these words. Let's just take care of what they need. They need food. Let's figure it out right here and right now. And again, for more in-depth, you can go look at that. But when you care for people, you're telling them, what I have is yours. What I have to offer, it's yours. What I have, go ahead. If you, you need this, yeah, yeah, you can have this. It may show up, you know, on the street corner this afternoon when you're headed to lunch and there's somebody there and you say, yeah, yeah, I have, I have five bucks, go ahead. You get yourself something to eat. Or maybe you just went through the drive-thru and you have your food sitting next to you and you pull up to that corner and you say, I don't know, what I have is yours. Here, go ahead and take my combo and, and you can have that. But in many, many other ways, the same thing can happen. What I have is yours. What the Lord has blessed me with. I can offer to you. Are there parameters and things to think about? Of course. Of course there's things to think about. But having, starting with the mindset, what I have is yours. God has blessed me with this. How can I bless you? In fact, my pastor in Arizona, he used to do this. If he got kind of a, a phone call and somebody said, hey, could you come do this wedding for us? And he would say, yeah, yeah, maybe somebody outside the church, somebody we didn't know, and somebody in a pinch, and he'd go do something like that, funerals, things like this. And even though, and I learned from him this philosophy of don't, don't charge people for that. We're pastors. It's part of our calling. Um, people always seem to want to offer you something when you do that. And he would come back, and he would say this. He'd hand me like 20 bucks, and he'd say, I'm passing on the blessing. Somebody bless me with this, and I'm, I'm going to pass on the blessing to you. Easy, Steph. Here, so if you're marking that down, waiting for me to pass on the blessing. <laughs> no, but it was the mindset of passing it on. The Lord has given it to me. I'll pass it on to you. And when we care for people, that's what we're doing. What I have 
is yours. I'm willing to offer. I'm willing to help. One of the things I've been so blessed being a part of this church is seeing your desire to help people in need and to offer what you have. You know, need a mower? Borrow my mower today. No problem. You know, whatever. But I imagine there's probably times where your heart for that gets really challenged at certain places. And so the reminder for us is as God leads, as the Holy Spirit leads, to say, I care for you. What I have is yours if I can offer this to you. Let me give you three questions and they kind of recap what we just talked about. And these are for you to, to work on and think through. Maybe the Holy Spirit prompts you with an answer immediately, but maybe like I've been challenging you during the John series, you need to take these three questions into your personal devotion time. If you don't have a personal devotion time this, this, during your week, then um, it's kind of hard to feel like I'm receiving from God and being filled up so that I can then care for someone. Last week, we were in Memphis, and the pastor preached a wonderful sermon, and an illustration he said that really stuck with me is that, that this whole caring thing is more like us being a reservoir than it is being a lake. And I had to think about it a moment. And by definition, a lake is, fills up and sits there. But a reservoir, by definition, it is designed to fill up and spill out, fill up and spill out, to spill, fill up and be used for something else. And that is what we're designed to do. Go before God daily, get filled up, and then let's pour it out on other people as well. So here's three questions that might help in this process. One, uh, do you bring value to those that are devalued? Are there people who are devalued? Do you bring value to them? There are so many people, it's so easy to offer them value, your time, your energy, whatever it is. Let me give you a word of, of, of caution, though. Not caution, but warning also. There are people out there that will disagree with you and your views on Jesus and the Bible and, and God and all of that. Yet it does not excuse us from not offering value to them and to care for them and who they are. It opens up a door that we might speak Christ and Christ might offer transformation to their life. So do you bring value to those who are devalued? How do you view people? Here's the second question. Do you allow yourself to be interrupted to care? Do you allow yourself interruptions throughout the day? Now, Grant, we all have important things that we can't step out of, but do you allow yourself these times where you just like, this is from the Holy Spirit. This is led this way. I need to just pause for a second, care for them, offer what they need instead of what I'm doing over here? Are there opportunities that are passing you by because you don't allow yourself to be interrupted? And then finally, a question is, do you have what someone else needs? Do you have what they need? This past, um, well, this past week, we had uh, a family in our church that, that we, we've, walk, we've been walking through the Ball family in this situation for them, and there's a need that arose, right? And we've been praying on this. It's a financial need, and we've been praying and thinking, I, you know, I'm just not quite sure how the Lord's going to do this and what avenue the Lord's going to do this. And somehow this week, the door swung wide. Somebody happened to get this little, you know, bite on their ear and hear about it. And the next thing we know, the whole thing was funded. And their words were, well, like, I have it and you need it. That's exact words that this person said. 
I have it and you need it. And this need was taken care of for the Ball family. We'll share more about that this week with you, how that all went down. Do you have what someone else needs? Who knows what somebody needs and you have it. So take those to your devotion time this week. It may very well be have pen and paper that as you ask those questions, as you consider those this, this week in your devotion time, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you and send you, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy at work. Oh, yeah, yeah, the neighbor. Yeah, that person on my kid's soccer team, whatever. And you'll know right away how you need to care for somebody this week. Well, pray with me, will you? Father, we want to be people who care. We want to be people that when we see our list of five that we're praying for, Lord, we're praying every day, Lord, use me, use me for these, these five that they might come to know you, that there's going to be times where you thrust us into their life and say, all right, you want to be used? Care for them, love them, value them. Let them interrupt your time. Offer them what they need. And it could be this week. It could be actually right now. You already know you've, you've kind of rejected a couple opportunities the Holy Spirit has given you, and you're like, I know what to do. I know how to care for them. Or it could be this week, the opportunities arise. And if you'll be intentional to have the mindset now, it'll be clear when the Holy Spirit prompts. Lord, put us in front of you every day with these questions that we might ask them, and we might be led by you this week to be people who care. Because, Lord, our ultimate goal, what we'd love to see is our family, coworkers, friends who don't know you come to know you as their Savior through us. Well, lead us in this direction, we pray in your Son's name. Amen.